Hey, Anthony, it's that time again. To finally go back to a movie theater? Yeah, yeah w- wait, no. No, not at all. Then what? It's time to make the podcast. Oh, 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 yeah, that thing. Once again, we have reached that time of the week. Time to dive into the movies we love and the movies we wish we could forget. Pitting them against each other to receive praise uh, or hatred. Based on a scale of our choosing. So let's jump into it. This is the Double Feature Podcast. All right, guys, welcome to a new special episode of Double Feature, where you got double the quarantine, uh, double the depressing binge watch. Yeah. Well, not depressing, but, you know, uh, double the, you know, remote binge watch. All right, so we got a... we got remote now. Yeah, we got, a, we got an interesting one today, where we're talking to each other through Skype on microphones. Thank you for this Yeti thing, by the way. Oh, yeah, this it's really such helps. a nice mic. I'll reimburse you soon with some food. When the restaurants open back open up. Oh, they're open. They just got takeout now. Oh yeah. Right, right. Let's let, let's be let's clarify what, what date we're in, because most people might might think this is like the beginning of when everything hit. Uh we're in July twenty sixth, twenty twenty, folks. So we're we're pretty much used to the new routine. It's just, you know we uh we, we, we had a little bit of a, a, a lull in between last episode and this episode because uh we expected to we expected our studio to be open back up, which it probably is, but uh, we're not taking no chances right now. Just playing it safe until things slowly get back to normal, and uh, you know you'll find us back rocking and grooving in our usual spot. Yeah, we were kind of expecting to be back in in like April. <laughs> right, right. Which it's looking back at it, April later. the spike hadn't even hit yet. <laughs> it hadn't hit. Um, I don't think. I don't think it hit. No. Yeah, but you know, three months later, uh, we're here. So you know, we're we're delivering something. Uh, I don't know if the last episode we said we were going to do a Snyder episode. That is coming. I think we're going to wait for the Justice League Snyder cut to hit, um, and then we're probably going to do like a whole Snyder double feature special episode where we just go through this man's complicated but memorable uh, filmography. Filmography. Yeah, because he has a lot of movies, and we discussed it before. It's either great or eh, th- there's no in between. I think that there are some that are less than eh, but uh, we'll we'll get to that. Well, yeah, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, before we kind of start into it, because one of the biggest things that was announced since the you know COVID situation happened was that uh, the Snyder Cut is real and happening. And we yeah. kind of briefly touched on it uh, when we, you know, swapped the mic to you and everything. But what what are your true thoughts on that announcement? My true thoughts is, um, look, I always love it when a director gets to um, put out their fully realized vision of their film that um, was altered because of, you know, studio uh, restrictions, you know, maybe the studio didn't give them as much freedom as they as they wanted. You know, if every Kubrick, if every Stanley Kubrick film had studio restrictions, we wouldn't have the masterpieces we have today. Right. Um, that's not to say Kubrick didn't you know push the limit with some of his actors, but that's a whole nother conversation. What I'm trying to say is, when you have films like Apocalypse Now, the uh, uh, Redux or the Final Cut, 
it's a beautiful thing to see because you're seeing Francis Ford Coppola or Zack Snyder or any director, you know, bringing their fully realized vision of their film that um, due to external forces or studio forces um, cannot deliver us that, you know, at the time of theatrical release. So that's my political answer. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy for Zach. Uh, if you asking, you know, Anthony, the, the moviegoer, eh. Yeah. <laughs> I 100% eh. understand that. Because I am really excited about this Snyder Cut. Not because I want to see the, the Snyder Cut, but because I want to see more uh, streaming services kind of pick up this uh, idea of letting the directors regroup with their old work and redo what uh, they were told they couldn't do in the studio. I understand. And it's something that we don't really see, especially after movies have released and everything. I understand that. I can, uh, I can, I understand that sentiment. Um, quick question man uh do you think i should watch the original justice league before i watch this because i haven't even seen the original i oh i would have to say no uh okay it because that way it'll give two different perspectives on it when we actually do the podcast on the snyder cut because i've already seen justice league you coming Mm -hmm. into it fresh that way we can kind of go back and forth a little bit more on that i think that'll be a little bit more interesting Okay, yeah, yeah. You know, I I love to see how Zach, um, you know, puts Peter Parker in this one. Yeah. <laughs> oh I'm yeah, joking, especially folks. since they're recasting him again for the fourth time. Right, right, right. I know yeah. some people out there are like, this dude wasn't serious, was he? No, I'm not serious, folks. I'm just trying to add a little bit of levity. Uh, yeah, you know, I'll I, I'll I'll jump in naked with the uh, with the director's cut. Yeah, because I did force you to watch, uh, what was it, Suicide Squad, even though you which, hadn't seen that for the longest time. Which wasn't a bad movie. And when I watched it, I was like, you know what? I came in here with my expectations low. You know, they were, they, they, they were, they exceed them a little bit. It was a medium, I, I left out with medium expectations. Not high, exceeding expectations, but medium. You know, I was like, all right, it was better than what I thought it was. If I it's kind of like picking up something from the ground and going, "What? Did, oh, it ends up being a penny. This is better than I expected it to be." Right, right. It's not it good. Being a it's... being a nickel, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you know, not just a random piece of silver. You know, uh, I liked it. Uh, would I watch it again? No, but um, well, maybe the David Ayer director's cut. I would watch again. I like David Ayer. He's interesting. But uh, yeah. See, I'm trying to remember what his one right after Suicide Squad was that wasn't too good. Um, Bright, the Will Smith orc movie. You see, and and you might look at me a little weird. I liked Bright more than I liked Suicide Squad. I did. I, I you know, uh, I a guy we used to work with uh, podcast wise said that Bright is orc is the new black. Yeah, and pretty I much. That, I don't think that's a bad subtitle for that film, and I. I I like that film. I know it's a little, I know it's a little preachy, but I think it's it's goofy preachy. I, I like Bright. See, I didn't have a problem with the preachiness of that one. I had more of a problem with the fact the movie didn't know what it wanted to be. Like it kind of kept switching what its plot was. Of you know, it was first going orcs are all bad, and then it's like, okay, well now it's going to be a buddy cop movie. Now it's going to be a mystery movie. Now it's gonna, and it just kept switching, and then it 
didn't have an established kind of like thought process on what kind of world this was. Like you had mystical creatures in there, but you still had the Alamo happen. You have the movie Shrek referenced, even though that was based on fairy tales and everything, which those fairy tales are kind of a real thing now. <laughs> yeah. Like where's yeah. where's the line of what is in this world and what isn't? Like you're telling me that if like we had magical creatures running around, the Alamo would have still happened. We still would have had, you know, the civil war occur. I don't think so. <laughs> right. Right. Things would have I, been different. I hear you. So that's where the movie lost me. There's a lot in that movie that I liked, but there's parts like that where it just completely lost me. Cause I had no idea what was anything in this movie anymore. I got you. Um, Speaking of David Ayer, man, his latest film looks pretty damn good. Uh, the Tax Collector, you got Shia LaBeouf, Shia LaBeouf looking like a full-on gangster, man. I'm, I'm intrigued. See, I haven't seen anything for that one yet. Yeah, I guess a few trailers have dropped. The last time he wrote a film where a, uh, a usual actor that plays a good guy, you know, Shia LaBeouf is very diverse. He hasn't always played good guys. Um who played a bad guy in his film was Training Day. You know, Denzel playing the bad guy. So I like to see what Shia LaBeouf does with a David Ayer script. And uh, maybe this might be his Training Day role. Yeah, because Shia LaBeouf's last movie was uh, on... Or he had two movies come out almost back-to-back to each other, didn't he? Honey Boy and the Peanut Butter Falcon. Yeah, I Both haven't seen Peanut movies. Butter Falcon yet, but Honey Boy was amazing. Like, I knew that it was based on his actual life story and everything like that, but I didn't realize, like, how deep he was going to go into it. Yeah, Honey Boy was good. Uh, Peanut Butter Falcon was a pretty charming movie. Yeah, I think we're, I think we're seeing a Shia LaBeouf, uh, uh, Shia LaBeouf Nazance. You know, it was like a, a, a renaissance, but I was trying to use his name. Uh, we saw it with Matthew McConaughey when he had, you know, uh, Dallas Buyers Club in Mud, you know, back to back and True Detective Season 1. Um, I've always liked Shia LaBeouf, man. Uh, I know he can be a little wacky, but, you know, I, taking away the personal from the work, I, I've always liked Shy. Oh, yeah. He's always been a great actor in everything that he's in. Uh, I can't think of anything that I really hated him in other than movies that I just generally didn't like that he happened to be a part of. Look, man. Like, I don't even... think I've seen him tear down a movie, like him be the reason I didn't like a movie. Even the Even Stevens movie, dude. Like, you know, I loved him in that. You know, I love Even Stevens. Well, that's Stevens. how he started off. <laughs> right, right. Um, Holes. We can go on and on about how much we love Shia LaBeouf. Might have to do a Shia LaBeouf episode. Oh, yeah, well, for all, sure. All things go right. Um, Covering the good and the of, bad. <laughs> yeah, we can. What you just said about Shy is the exact same. And I don't know if I shared this theory with you. My t- did, I t- did I ever tell you my Tom Cruise theory? the tom cruise theory you might have um basically when it's all said and done and the man's legacy is you know over to be examined um taking away the personal life stuff i, I think tom cruise will go down as one of the goats man really now, now let, let me let me explain here because I, I i got a i got a reason behind this every film tom cruise is in even if the movie was bad he wasn't bad in it Every movie Tom Cruise is in, even something like Night and Day or Jack Reacher, which a lot of critics didn't like, you can't say that he didn't have that star power. You can't say that he didn't like the camera is is attracted to him. 
Like, he always has that star charisma when he's on screen. And that's a talent. That's really a gift. That goes more than being a talent. Um, Tom Cruise will go down as one of the GOATs, man. Just because of how much he can captivate an audience, even when the script is bad or even when the movie is just okay. Oh, like, uh, what was that recent one? Uh, The Mummy? Yeah, I mean, I I choose not to watch that movie because I'm a Brandon Fraser mummy for life. But, um, you know, I assume if you watch that movie, Tom Cruise is, will, is always entertaining in every frame because that's what he does. He's the reason Mission Impossible has been going on for so long. Oh, yeah. Tom Not Cruise- only that, but he does have all his own stunts and everything like that. Like, he refuses to let somebody else do his stunts unless it's, like, super life-threatening. The man is a dynamic actor. Like, I really, like, from an actor standpoint, I got a lot of respect for him. Uh, he's been... He's been killing it for so long. I mean, I think he might go down as one of the goats, man. If we're talking about true star power, he's going down as one of the goats to me. Now, I could see that. He, and, he, and even when he goes out of his range, like, you know, his role in Magnolia, you know, his role in um, Vanilla Sky, which was a little little dark for a Tom Cruise movie. You know, he still nails it. Like, I th- I like Tom Cruise, man. He doesn't really go past the action movies too much, just like Adam Sandler doesn't really go past the comedies too much. But when you see them out of their zone, like Uncut Gems for Adam or Magnolia for Tom Cruise, they nail it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Adam Sandler is one of those weird actors that you can tell that he had his acting career thanks to uh, SNL and everything like that, and now he's just kind of being able to make movies with all his friends, and then he he can jump into a serious role, like Uncut Gems, and just blow it out of the water still. It's kind of amazing how everybody kind of goes, every Adam Sandler movie is terrible. Well, he's just making fun movies with his friends, and some people want to see those fun movies. And then you get a serious Adam Sandler movie, and people are like, oh, man, I forgot. He's actually an actor, isn't he? Yeah, and, and it's his choice. You know, he has the, um, you know, autonomy to make the choice. All right, man, I'm going to I'm gonna see what these Safdie brothers are talking about and look at this Uncut gem script mm-hmm. and say, all right, I'll do this. I'm going to look at this Paul Thomas Anderson punch drunk love script and maybe go for it. You know, he, he, he makes the choice. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's good to have that creative autonomy to like be like, let me step away from the comedies for one quick second and do this, see if I can do it. Yeah, and, you he, know, he, like, like I said, that's a gift. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's very few actors that can have that kind of range and everything like that. Like, we've done the, what was it, Nick Cage episode where we talked about how he's kind of stronghold into his position of... Having a weird comedy. He gives his all into every movie, and, you know, funny or not, he nails it. I mean, the movie might turn out different because of it, but it's a it, Nick Cage makes it his own. Um, yeah, man, I think I think Tom will go down as one of the goats. He's, he's dynamic to me. See, I can see it because of Mission Impossible, but I doubt people are going to remember him for much else than that. Just how I see it. Top Gun? See, I hear more people talk about his edge of, edge of tomorrow. Yeah, on, well, my, those are my, movies people are going to talk about. But when you hear my, Tom Cruise, he's going to be known for Mission Impossible in the future. I don't think people are going to go, you know, Top Gun. Man, that's my favorite Tom Cruise movie. When you think Tom Cruise, some, some people would say that. I, I don't believe you. I, I ain't with you on this one, man. Minority Report, War of the Worlds. Come on, man. 
it ain't just Mission Impossible they're gonna be talking about with him. I just I don't I I don't agree with that, sir. Okay, we'll see. <laughs> He's got well, well we'll see with time, but you know yeah. We'll see. So. Yeah, but he's he's good. I'm not saying that he's bad in any other movie, but Mission Impossible you. is like the staple series that he's known for and the one Tropic that you hear Thunder. people talk about the most. Yeah, I was going to say I Tropic forgot Thunder. that it was even in Tropic Thunder. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that movie was so good. That entire cast was good. It's hard to pinpoint that movie at a single uh, actor. It's a great it's a great movie. Um, but all right, man, we digressed. Uh, what's the main thing we wanted to uh, get into today, folks, is um, films we watched uh, during the quarantine or slash are watching. Because uh, even though it's not much of a quarantine anymore, people are still, you know, social distancing. So uh, I'm going to let you uh, take the first one, man. What's, the, what's one of the films you watched during this quarantine time? So I'll start with one of the films that I really actually enjoyed that I was not expecting to enjoy. And that is Palm Springs, the Hulu streaming movie. Yeah, yeah, I heard good things. Yeah, that one, so going into it, I was kind of expecting it to be kind of a Groundhog's Day, just copycat movie. And it ended up being a great movie. Uh, A lot of moments where I was laughing, there's a lot of nice little dramatic moments and everything like that. And it's actually a smart movie. You know, they don't go, oh, yeah, it's just a time loop. Blah. They they kind of experiment with things and everything like that. It's kind of like if we got to see the uh, Groundhog's Day, but uh, see every time Bill Murray was doing these things that he was talking about doing. Instead of him just showing up at the bar and just, you know, destroying in a game of darts and then a game of pool and everything like that and then right. walking off getting to actually see him learn how to do everything like that. So, plus a little bit more smarts with getting out of the loop and everything like that than, you know, be nice to the girl. (laughs) I will uh, put that on my list, sir. I've heard a lot of good things. Uh, I I never was a... Listen, um, I like the Lonely Islands music. They make me laugh, uh, and I like Adam Sandberg. I never got into Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I hear it's funny, but I've always known he's a funny guy. Uh, plus, my man, J.K. Simmons, is in it. Uh, oh, yeah. Um, that's that's my guy. Uh, I'm going to check it out, man. I've heard a lot of good things. It's definitely a good one. Uh, yeah, I absolutely love Andy Samberg. I can't think of any movies that he's made that I haven't seen yet. Cause... Is, it Ad- hmm? is it Andy or Adam? I think I said Adam. Is it Andy? Yeah, Andy. Oh, Andy. All right, my bad. So, yeah. Um, cause have you seen Hot Rod? Nah, that's another one that's on the list. I heard that that might make me chuckle. How have you not seen that? That movie is great. <laughs> I, I I know it exists. Um, that's one of those comedies that you know I always like. Some comedies, some people say, "Yo, you gotta watch this," but I'm like, I I, I just haven't got to it yet, man. I know that's one of those. Some people, I know, man, I know. Yeah, that's one that was actually originally written with uh, Will Ferrell in mind, and they couldn't get Will Ferrell to do it, so they kind of just went, hey, Lonely Island guys from SNL, (laughs) you want this movie script? And they went, yes. (laughs) Yes, we do. I I, I can imagine that, yeah. I'm going to check it out, man. I've heard good things. Uh, I will check it out. Uh, Hot Rod and Palm Springs. Um, Pop Star, I never saw that one. Is that one funny? 
oh, Popstar is, oh, yeah, we're definitely going to have to do a kind of uh, rockumentary thing. We're going to have to do, uh, yeah. what's the one, Spinal Tap, uh, Popstar, Never Stop, Never Stopping, and Dewey Cox, Walk Hard. I've seen part of Dewey Cox. Yeah, we got to do an episode with all three of those because those are like the top three rockumentaries, in my opinion, that I've seen. I'm sure there are some right. other ones out there that I haven't caught yet, but. All right, that's uh, that's three new movies for me to watch, man. I, I'll put them on my list. Those are three movies that I I know with time I will see. Like, I know this is Spinal Tap is a classic. I like Christopher Guest, who's mm. I, I think co-wrote that, right? I, know uh, he's in I it. believe so. I yeah. the only like outside of the movie fact I really know about that movie is that uh, multiple bands tried to sue them for thinking that they stole their like stories and stuff like that from outside because it was so accurate. Uh, that's a stranger than fiction kind of uh, truth right there. Yeah, like that man. That man. That means they knew what they were talking about. Then the parody oh, yeah. is real. All right, I, man, I think that's what makes out. it so great. Uh, the Dewey Cox, I actually watched that one just a couple weeks ago. I had it kind of playing in the background while I was working on some other stuff, and that movie still holds up. I absolutely love that one, so I still highly recommend checking that one out. I like some John C. Riley, man. He's a, he's a good he's another good one. I like him. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'll check him out. Uh, I wanted to tell you, man, something I just saw like recently, like uh, like last night, uh, kind of post quarantine. Um, the rental. Dave Franco's directorial debut. Mental. Uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's a very new one, man. Uh, it's a it's a horror thriller film about um these uh these two couples. They go to this Airbnb for a you know a relaxing you know party and vacation, and you know things go wrong. I don't want to give any more than that because you know the film kind of takes its own dramatic turns as it plays along. The film is kind of it, it's kind of like genre defying because it's, it's marketed as a horror film and there are horror thriller elements but most of it is emotional drama and is it you, like psychological horror or is it like they're gonna open a cabinet and something's gonna jump out at them horror i want to say both it starts okay. off psycho it starts off psychologically because like there, there's a there's an interesting dynamic between these uh these two couples and uh you know just the great actors here off the head i got allison brie Dan Stevens. Um, I don't know the other lady's name, but I know the other guy is Lit from Shameless, the American version. Um, mm -hmm. All actors did their thing. They, they were all great. Um, it goes from psychological psychological uh, drama between the four characters and then slowly treads into horror. Uh, some people are turned off because they want the whole film to be like, to be horror or to be a horror thriller, but that wasn't the film's intention. It wanted to it wanted you to get to know the characters first before they go, you know, down a dark path. And I like that. Uh, I got to say, man, with this being his debut, man, Dave Franco is a very solid director, probably a better director than his brother, James. Like, you really he, think so? I mean, a lot of James Franco's films are kind of hit and miss uh, directing wise. He's a great actor. But directing oh, wise, yeah. they they, they kind of hit or miss. Like I like Disaster Artist because I love the room and I like how he paid tribute to how that was made. But this film, man, I, Dave, Dave Franco, he's a he's a talent to watch, man. I liked how he he handled the tension, how he handled 
the tension between the characters, the tension with, you know, the, you know, when the real horror thrillerness starts happening. He's a very solid director, man. I, yeah, I got to say with, with, with stuff I've seen from James, uh, Dave might be better. Okay. So kind of like a uh, unexpected directorial d- debut that like kicked it off right. Like uh, what was the one that Jonah Hill did? Um, just I never saw like it. near the last year, the uh, end mid, of last year, mid nineties, mid nineties. Yeah, because that one was fantastic. Like that was you kind of go into it going, oh, this is going to be a Jonah Hill movie, and coming out going that. If you hadn't told me that Jonah Hill directed that, I would have never known. You know, that's that's one that's on the list, man. I gotta I gotta see that because I've I've heard things. I heard that is good. You know, I heard it, it takes you back too. You know, because mm-hmm. uh, I'm I'm a '90s kid. Oh yeah, so that's I, definitely a really good one. All right, man, I'll, I'll I'll check that one out. But the rental, dude, I'm telling you, uh, if you can is go that to one on re- streaming or it's on video on demand right now. Okay. So um, it's it's very new, so it's out to rent. Uh, if you got a chance to rent it, I'd say rent it. It's a very good movie. I liked it, man. I think Dave Franco did a great job. Um, he co-wrote the script with J- Joe Swanberg, who created the show Easy on Netflix. Um, he's written quite a few things, but uh, it was a pretty solid film to me. Okay. I'm going to have to add that to the list because I never even heard anything about that one. There's one small... I don't want to do this, but there's one small plot hole that when you do see the movie, we, we got to talk. Uh, <laughs> I don't I don't know if on air or off air, but when you do see the movie, come come holler at me, man, because there's one plot hole that that has me in my mind saying, but what? What? But it's not a huge gaping plot hole. It's something that you think about after you see the movie. Like, wait a minute. You know? Yeah. We, we might do a little mini spoiler cast or something like that where we talk about that movie in particular. We can I catch it. No problem. So if there's something like very glaring about it, yeah, we can probably figure something out with that. I'll add it to my list. I'll try and catch that sometime this week. If I can. All right. Uh, what, what else did you see? I'm trying to think of what other like major movies I've seen. Cause I've been watching a lot of like older ones and redoing uh, those as well as a lot of TV shows right now. Cause that's what streaming services are kind of throwing out there. Like uh, mm-hmm. I actually did rewatch the avatar movie, the James Cameron one, because there was a lot of hype with the movie coming out, which again got delayed. So I kind of decided to sit down and prepare myself for that because I decided to watch the old 3D version to test out the 3D on my projector, which works really nice. And that movie still, the 3D is really good. Yeah, man. It's like I've always said, um, beautiful movie, uh, uh, story-wise. I can say I watched it just like three months ago. I already couldn't tell you any of the characters' names. You, you still have army people and then the blue people. <laughs> That's all oh, dude, I remember. I, I, can, I can tell you. It's John Smith and Pocahontas. Easy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I, I, having watched the movie just three months ago, you are accurate. Those were the names. Right, right. Um, yeah, man, beautiful movie. I'm excited for two. I know production is halted because of COVID. Uh, but when he gets around, he, it looks like he's rocking and rolling, man. He seems like he's shooting two and three back to back. Uh, 
and I, I don't think something. I, I really think he is working on them. James Cameron is the lab rat uh, when it comes to like pushing the pushing the boundaries of technology, oh, uh, yeah. cinema wise. So I can I'm excited. You know, I hope the plot is better, uh, but I know it's going to be gorgeous to look at. See, I want him to finish these movies, not so much because I want to see them, but because I want him to start working on Alita 2. Because I want a sequel to Alita. I absolutely love that movie. Well, that's Robert Rodriguez's movie. James Cameron just produced it. Well, he co-wrote it, too. He he co-wrote it, too, yeah. So even if he just takes a small break from between Avatar 17 and 18, just to kind of go in the writing room for Alita 2, I'd be happy. Because I really want to see a sequel to that movie. Because it did have that open ending that we uh, didn't really see in the original video animation that it's based on. And kind of looting into more of the manga side. So I'm hoping that meant that they have plans for a sequel. Battle Angel's good. I I, I like Battle Angel. Uh, I thought it was a solid popcorn action film. Um... Oh, I man. still think it's one of my favorite anime like adaptations to live action. One hundred percent. I'm trying to think if there's any that are better. How but... many good? How many good ones are out there though? Uh, there's a Japanese one on uh, Attack on Titan that's not good, good, but it's bad, good because it's absolutely hilarious. Uh, so then it's bad. Yeah, it's bad, but it's watchable bad. There's, I heard the you know, Tokyo I, Ghoul one is really good, but I haven't seen that one yet. Mostly because I'm not into the huge like gore kind of movies, and that one's really bad on that. You know what, man? I never, um, I, I never checked out the Ghost in the Shell, um, because I never seen the original, and I, I, I didn't really want to see Scarlett Johansson in that. I, I, I just felt like I need to see the original before I even consider watching this. I can 100% say the original is the pinnacle one to watch, but okay. without Scarlett Johansson on Ghost in a Shell, I don't think it would have gotten made, because that movie has been in limbo for so long before it got Scarlett Johansson on, and then all of a sudden it just started going right through the process of getting right to filming. Right. So they really need a big name onto it. With Scarlett Johansson, the best choice for that? For the movie, Yes. For the actual experience, no. <laughs> There's okay. definitely better people that could have been added for that role, but the movie wouldn't have gotten made if it wasn't to somebody else because people only saw it. You had the anime people that loved the original that went to see it because they loved the original, and then you had the people going because it's a Scarlett Johansson movie and she was the big name at the time. So, I hear you. Um, I hear you. You uh, guess what I saw for the first time during a uh, quarantine? Uh, anime movie or no live action? There's so many, man. I <laughs> uh, it, well, all right. You know what? I'll give you a hint. Um, it's a David Fincher movie. Uh, it's called one of the best thrillers of all time. Uh, yeah. Take a guess. David Fincher best thriller trying to think i'm completely drawing a blank on any david fincher movies right now actually okay i'll just tell you i saw zodiac for the first time wait really for the first time for the first time 
This isn't uh, like a remake or anything like that that I never heard of. You're talking about the old Jake, Zodiac movie. Jake Gyllenhaal, Robert Downey Jr., Mark Ruffalo. Yeah, for the first time, man. Oh wow! And you yeah. like it? Oh, I loved it. I, I was, I was, I was, uh, I loved it, man. I, I, I think as far as David Fincher films go, he, um, you can really tell he took his time with this movie. Like, like I, one of the things I love about David Fincher, but I know some people who work with him can't complain. He really does go in depth with the stuff he's working on, like um, with something like Mindhunter on Netflix. He really does go in depth with the investigations into serial killers. I know with Zodiac, he probably read thousands of pages on um, on the Zodiac killer uh, in order to get this film made and, and make and, and serve it justice for the people that was trying to catch him. Oh, um, yeah. But I, and you can see it, man, and the way he captures the times of the 70s, the camera work, the cinematography in this film. David Fincher, man, he's a um, he's a force to be reckoned with as a director. And I uh, I like Zodiac, man. I, I'm, 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 I'm mad at myself for taking this long to see it because I know it's a classic. Uh, good movie. You know, I, I can kind of fall into that same trap of like having movies on your backlog that you just can't wait to get to. And everything, because yeah. I have a lot of uh, one thing that uh, somebody was recommending to me was the movie Duck Soup by the Marx Brothers, and it's just completely been an off my radar movie. And I finally mm-hmm. found a copy of it and everything like that. I haven't watched it yet, but I started just going through and noticing the titles of all the Marx Brothers kind of movies and going, okay, I've heard of these, but I don't think I've ever sat down and watched any of them. I've probably seen clips from them, but that's about it. So the Marx Brothers, how how old are these guys? How old are their movies? What era? Oh, uh, Duck Soup was like sixty something. Okay. Um. Yeah, Duck Soup was no nineteen thirties. Okay. Yeah, I one director that's old that I want to get into is Sam Peckinpah. They said he made like a lot of brutal, straight to the point, like westerns or mm-hmm. movies with characters that had like a western philosophy to them, um, a cowboy philosophy. Like you know, Straw Dogs. I, I I've seen the remake. I never saw the original with Dustin Hoffman. I want to check that out. Yeah, there, there's so many like a- different like actors and directors from like way before I was born that I still need to watch their movies and everything like that. And I have it on my list. It's just hard to get to that when we have so much coming out in the current time. But luckily with quarantine, there's plenty of time to catch up on stuff since all that's really releasing right now are TV shows. Yeah, yeah. Another thing, too, uh, that I saw for the first time. I don't know if you know this one. In Bruges. In Bruges. Colin Farrell what? and uh, Brandon Gleason. What was it about? And Ralph Fiennes. So it's about these two hitmen. They go to Bru- they go to Bruges um, to hide out after a, after a job went wrong, and um, you know from there, uh, they 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 meet the colorful people in Bruges, you know, um, and you know, it, it, and, and one of the characters is dealing with um, has a little bit of guilt uh, of how the of how the hit of how the last hit job went wrong, and you know has a little bit of emotional um maturity to the film too it starts off kind of goofy and funny it's a british film 
but it once the emotional level kicks in, it, it kicks in nice. It's made by the same man who made Seven Psychopaths, one of my favorites of that year, and uh, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Oh, same director as Three Billboards? Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm I definitely going to check this I, out now. I, I know his last name is McDonough. I forgot his first name. But, uh, yeah, that guy. He's yeah, because Three he's, Billboards is such a good movie. Yeah, he's a good writer. Um, and this movie's pretty good, man. Uh, this was like his... I think this was like the first film that kind of got him on the map in his shows. It has his type of humor, his type of uh, uh, emotional drama. It's a, it's, a, it's a pretty good movie. Oh, yeah. I'm going to have to check that one out for sure. Because if it's anything like Three Billboards, well, I guess not in tone, but if it's any like quality-wise, like Three Billboards? Uh, quality-wise, yeah. Tone, I, I don't think his tone changes in any of his films. They all have like a great balance of like, uh, dark comedy and uh, dark drama. So I, I think his tone is the same throughout his films. But uh, yeah, yeah, I'd say check it out if you like that movie. And have you seen Seven Psychopaths? Because I think you should watch I have. that first. Okay, that yeah, one yeah. I didn't know it was made by the same guy, but I remember yeah. seeing it. That one I definitely enjoyed that one as well. It, I'd never put two and two together that he was the same guy that did uh, Three Billboards though. But it imbued. Uh, imbued. Is that what it was called? What are you talking about? The movie. There's a movie called Imbued. No, the one that you were just talking about by that director. No, no in Bruges. So in Bruges. Okay. Bruges is spelled B-R-U-G-E-S. Okay. Yeah. So that's yeah, I'll, that. I'll look that one up for sure. Um, well, I don't want to hog all the space, man. What's another one you've seen? Another one that I've gone back and watched was, uh, the, well, I went through because during this whole ordeal, uh, Edgar Wright released his three movies in 4k. So I, of course, went back and watched those Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz and, uh, At World's End still absolutely hold up. I absolutely love those movies. The Cornetto trilogy. Yep, the Cornetto trilogy, which actually got ask, its name from a fan. <laughs> let me ask you something, man. Let me let me test your fanness. I won't know if you're telling me the truth or not. Uh, in which which scene in each of those three films do you see a Cornetto ice cream cone? Um, the first time is in Shaun of the Dead when he's going to the freezer at the very beginning of the movie when he slips on the mysterious fluid that you can't see when he just goes there. That's the first time. In Hot Fuzz, there's actually a couple points where they get uh, the Cornetto ice cream at the one shop. Uh, it's usually Nick Frost's character that gets one. I think Simon Pegg's character ends up getting one at one point in time right before they realize the, uh, what was it? Find, what was the quote? They put together, like, there was only one goose that they were having trouble with, and he managed to put together, oh, there's multiple murderers because of what somebody says. Uh, mm. I think that's the only time Simon Pegg gets one in that movie. I can't remember in At World's End where they get uh, Cornetto, though. Oh. I there has to, to be a point, three. but I can't remember. I'm sure there's a point. Uh, I'm sure there's a point. Because well, uh, I know that entire movie basically tells you everything that's going to happen. Like, 
that's one of the best parts of at world's end i know it's not his most popular movie but i love that the very beginning of the movie tells you the entire plot of the movie like the first two minutes it kind of goes here's everything that's going to happen in this movie and then it just starts happening and most people don't catch that wait you mean the montage that they mirror that montage in the end no, I mean like the very beginning when he's talking about what happened with uh, his friends the last time they tried to do the you know ten bar kind of thing. Everything that he tells in that story happens exactly how it happens in the movie again. Oh, so you're saying like when he was um sorry, folks, we're digressing here. Uh, so you're talking about when he's in the when he's in the circle group, right? When he's in the AA meeting. He's telling them what happened last time. You're telling yeah. me that was a. You're telling me that was all a flash forward. It's basically or, exactly everything that happens because he goes, "We started at this pub. We each got a pint. You know, by this bar, so and so dropped out. Then we ran into his sister. All this happened. Oh, and so that so happens exactly how it happens in the movie. <laughs> I hear what you're saying. So, so, it, so it that did happen in the past, but it happened again as adults, but just through different extreme circumstances right but it's exactly the same like the same person drops out at the same time because they get killed in the actual movie then they run into his sister and they everything happens exactly point for point from that story in the actual movie so i just love yeah yeah i hear you i just love how um the beginning montage kind of mirrors the the ending montage in uh, in the world's end, where you're going through all the guys their uh, their middle aged lives, and oh, then at yeah. the end of the movie, after everything happens, it's the same thing. Uh, I like that man. I like Edgar Wright, man. He's a he's an eclectic director. Oh yeah, he's easily my favorite director. Yeah. Um, what else was I about to say? I had saw Snow. I'll talk about that later. But uh, I saw a Martin Scorsese film uh, calling back to our first episode, a Nicolas Cage Martin Scorsese film. Uh, late, late 90s, Bringing Out the Dead. Uh, it was written by Paul Schrader, who we all know. They teamed up for, you know, two of the classics, Raging Bull and uh, Taxi Driver. Uh, had John Goodman in it. Uh, had Tom Sizemore in it and Patricia Arquette. Yeah, man, Bringing Out the Dead... Uh, it seems like a Martin Scorsese, Paul Schrader film because of how dark it is. You know, Nick Cage plays this um, this nine one one an ambulance driver. So you just see him throughout the night picking up people, trying to save lives, and, and if they and whether they're alive or dead, he like spirits talk to him. It's a wild movie, man. And it's a uh, it's very Nick Cage like, more on the on the dark side. Yeah. And then I think we briefly mentioned uh, the one movie based on uh, Harvey Weinstein, The Assistant. We briefly talked about that back before I watched yeah, it and the, I saw yeah, that the one. Assistant. Um, you know, I liked it. I thought it was solid. It was a solid independent film. Um, I like that the, the film has subtleness to it. I wish it would have said more, but I kind of get it. Uh, how did you feel? I want to know what your thoughts were. See, I enjoyed the movie, but after it ended, I can understand why it has such a low like general audience score because it is not at all what the trailers kind of perceive it to be, which oh, is man, more I, with Hm. I said you know I don't watch trailers. 
Oh yeah, for that one, the trailer for it is completely off from the actual movie. And I'm sure that a lot of people went into the movie and then came out of it going, I have no idea what I just watched, but it was not the movie that I thought it was going to be. And I absolutely liked it. I it wasn't like the best movie I've seen this year by far, but I definitely enjoyed it. Uh, I don't know if I enjoyed it. I was a little unsettled, uh, you know, and, and you know, rightfully so. Right. Uh, that's, of, that's like, the point because, of it. Right. Um, but I, I love the, the, the lead woman's, uh, performance. I know she's from Ozark. I wish I knew her name. Uh, I see a future for her in Hollywood. No doubt. I like the assistant. I did. Um, it's just the subtlety kind of threw me off. I wish it had more of a punch to it. That makes sense. Yeah, but like, the point it, of it was that there was absolute subtlety to it. There were no names mentioned. Uh, right. Even when they're talking on the phone and stuff, you really don't hear what the person's saying on the other side of the line. You just really hear her side and then, like, mumbling. I got you. So it's supposed to all be from like her perspective of everything like going on and kind of mysterious, which I think they pulled off that tone well. But yeah, they could have kind of given a little bit more with it. it but I still little, like how it played out. That part of it gets a little exhausting as the film goes on from my standpoint. I mean, I got you. I know why it's like that, uh, because you can be marginalized like that. That's a reflection of the marginalization of her character and other assistants like her in real life. I totally get it. I just feel like, "Ah, I wish this had more of a punch, but I get it. Oh yeah. So that, that was one that, uh, I only noticed because it had such a huge difference between the general audience and the critical acclaim scores. Because I think general audience was like 10% on that one on Rotten Tomatoes, and then critics were like 80-something. And it's like, that's that's a big difference. Let me tell you what I think about general audience scores. When, when you got a movie like The Lighthouse, which to me is kind of a modern-day masterpiece, and you got the critics saying, oh, this is great, Robert Eggers is a great horror director, and audiences saying, this was stupid. Yeah, I don't really put my faith in the audience that much. Uh, Have you seen The Lighthouse yet? Oh, yeah. That movie was great. I love the theories that came out afterwards from uh, people that saw it on, like, what everything meant and everything like that. Like, uh, I think my favorite is The Seven Deadly Sins. Like, each of them are represented in a different part of the movie, and he's, like, in a purgatory. But you acknowledge that that was a good movie. Oh, yeah, 100%. Right. So when you got the audience scores that say... Man, I expected to see someone get sexually assaulted. I thought this was one of those movies. Or, you know, you can't really go too far of what that person's audience uh, reaction is. I'm not saying the audience, I'm not saying all the audience ain't like us, because they are. But some of them, trailers can sometimes curb your expectations. That's why I try not to They misrepresent the movie. And people go in expecting something completely different than what's actually there. To this day, I've only seen teaser trailers for Tenet. I don't want to watch the full ch- trailer because I don't want to know what it's about. I just want to go see it. See, I can because... kind of say the same. I think I've only seen one trailer for that movie, and I was like, okay, you sold me on it. I don't need to see anything else until I see it. And that one's just yeah. gotten delayed, delayed, delayed. I-, I got sold on The Assistant because one of the sites I go to, the AV Club, they had mentioned it. Um, and you know, uh, I saw a lot of good reviews for it, you know, beyond the AV club. And I said, you know what? This seems like this is up my alley. I'll watch this. 
strangely enough, the AV club didn't like the rental, but I like the rental. But, you know, I just I, I don't go off trailers too much unless I'm really unsure of a movie. See, the only movies that I'll really like hype up to see a trailer for are like the comic book movies. Because I mostly want to see what the costume looks like. I want to get an idea of the tone and everything like that. You've um, read it. You want to see what the character looks like in the movie. I get it. Yeah. Yeah, that's mostly what I care about. Uh, like Endgame, I wanted to see the new costumes. That's that's why I watched the trailer for that one. Because I knew I was going to see it regardless. You know? So right. that's one of those kind of things. Uh, but at the very least, you have the option to watch trailers for Tenet. My most looked forward movie this year was uh, Last Night in Soho, and that one still hasn't gotten a trailer and was supposed to release a month ago, pre-COVID and everything. Dude, it's I hear you. Um, it's two for me, man. It's Tenet, and uh, it's an indep- uh, independent film that, that played at Sundance with Carrie Mulligan. And uh, Bo Burnham, I think, is is one of the uh, role is in one of the roles as well. Called "Promising Young Woman." All oh, I know, yes, is, yeah, I know that one, dude. I want to see that because I've heard so many good things, and again, it looks like it's up my alley. So those two movies are the only ones I'm really like, and I want to I want to see Mulan too. I I, I want to see Mulan because uh, that that's my childhood. So those three movies uh, are the main ones I'm waiting for. See, I don't have um, any care for Mulan because they seem to have changed it so much that it's no longer Mulan. It's basically just another, you know, Genghis Khan Asian war movie. But you know what? Disney, if in, con- in contrast to what James Cameron did with Avatar, we've had this conversation. All he had to do was change the title and say James Cameron's Pocahontas or James Cameron's Fern Gully or James Cameron's Dances with Wolves. And I would have been okay with that movie. Don't call it something new when we know it ain't something new. They're calling this Mulan because if they didn't call it Mulan, you know people in the comments would be like, so this is so this was a live action Mulan then. Mm-hmm. They're, they're covering their behinds. You know, uh, we might get a treat when we see this movie. It might be way better than what we expected and be like, wow, that was an adaptation of Mulan, but it was something new added to it. I like yeah. it. Uh, yeah. I'm going to see it, but I don't have too high of hopes for that one, especially from right. like a nostalgia point of view. I got you. Uh, I totally agree. Um, I got I got some more on my list, but uh, so before we get there, well, I guess I'll save that for the end. Uh, I got another one on my list here. Um, did you check out? I, I, I recommended a show, folks, to uh, Brad. It's an anime series. It's a... Uh, it's just a little fairly old. I want to say it came out in the early 2000s called Monster. Um, did you check it out yet? I have. I am on episode 12 or 13. I'm in the double digits at least. Oh, man, you're almost up there with me. You love it, don't you? It is really good. I am actually... Um, I actually stopped watching it on YouTube to try and see if I can find like a DVD copy that I can like pop in and view because the YouTube stream was kind of getting a little bad at points. Now I was like, okay, I'm going to see if I can pop in like a DVD or something or even if there's a Blu-ray of this one. Did you find one? I didn't I didn't I couldn't find any. I I haven't found anything yet, but I'm seeing if there's something out there that there might be like a Japanese like DVD release that somebody right, redubbed right. the uh like English voice from the TV onto or something. 
there's rare copies out there, man. Uh, so okay, so do you watch the? Uh, so what do you prefer, the English sub or the English dub? Uh, it varies. Uh, like for example, Cowboy Bebop, I'll go dub all the way. Uh, okay. For some things like the original Dragon Ball, I'll watch subtitled because I absolutely find it better with the subtitles for that one. But Dragon Ball Z, I'll watch dubbed because the voices in Japan just don't match the characters to me. Yeah, uh, I... Attack okay. on Titan, subtitles all the way. Uh, like Angel Beats, dub. Uh, Case Closed, dub. Loop in the Third, dub. It varies anime to anime. And yeah, it also look, depends man. on how I first watched it. Yeah, I, I gotta watch things sub because when I see I and I know it's I know it's a I know it's an animated cartoon, but when I see things not in their natural dialect, it throws me off. And that's for live action and animated. I, I gotta watch it in its natural language and read the subtitles. That's like that's like a thing to me to make it real. Because if I don't, I'm gonna sit there like, Yeah, that dude really didn't just say that. But I know I know it's dubbed. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I I watch the subbed versions. But um, yeah, folks, this 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 seventy four episode mammoth of an anime series is a gem. And you know, me me and Brad, we're not even in the twenties yet, and this and this show is already so damn good. Yeah, we, it's definitely anyone, sunk me into it. Yeah, like it's a psychological thriller anime, which you don't see often. We saw we saw a little bit of it with Death Note. And Death Note's a great series, but this one uh, is very psychological. Uh, great characters, like the character development, is really selling me on this. Like how now, some I will say, like, there's a lot of psychological thrillers. You got like Serial Experiments Lane. You have Steins Gate. There's there's plenty out there, but this is one of the really? older ones for sure. Oh yeah. Oh. Oh, I'll get I, you a list when we finish this one. I'll get you a list. There's there's a lot out there. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, give me give me a list. I'm definitely down for it. But uh, with this one, man, just to see how the characters like change, like 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 dynamically change as the series progresses, it's, it's amazing to see, especially for a cartoon. Uh, so this is like adapting the manga, which I don't I don't read mangas, but um, I know some mangas are worth reading. Uh, so yeah, man, I I really do enjoy this show, and I'm gonna keep watching. So I'm I'm glad I found it. I'm glad I uh, recommended it to you because I knew it existed way back when in college when it was on Netflix, but I never took the time to watch it. Um, I'm glad I finally got into it. But I don't mind the YouTube streams. They, they come out pretty good to me. See, I'm usually watching stuff like on a TV or on my projector and stuff like that. I'm not usually watching it on my computer. And that's where it gets a little bit buggy and everything like that. Because that's where I can kind of see the mixed pixels and everything like that. And it kind of goes, okay, well, that's a YouTube thing. That's not a source video thing. That's a YouTube thing of just how it streams the content out. I hear you. I hear you. Um, do you... Um... Oh, no, I, I forgot what I was going to say. Uh, but yeah, we, we both got into Monster. Um, I saw Snowpiercer for the first time. The it's movie. Yeah, the movie. The movie. I haven't watched the show yet. Uh, very solid uh, action film, man. I, I, I now see why so many people recommend it. I'm mad that I saw it after I saw Parasite because now I'm going to seem like one of those bandwagon fans. I like Boon Jung Ho. I do. Um, but yeah, man, I enjoyed it. Uh, I, I see why it's a classic. Oh, yeah. Yeah, when you told me that you were watching that for the first time, I 
at first thought you were talking about the show because I was like, man, I got to watch the show still. How is it? And you were like, no, the movie. And I went, oh, oh, you just now are seeing the movie? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to take it even way back, man. Something I just seen for the first time, too. Like COVID, COVID is a horrible thing. But being stuck at home, even when you're working, it gives you time to watch things you've been waiting to watch for a long time. You just never had the time. Uh, I finally saw Francis Ford Coppola's The Conversation with Gene Hackman. Another classic, man. I haven't seen that one yet. Check it out, man. Uh, very well worth your time. Uh, great thriller. Uh, great tense thriller. Uh, 70s filmmaking at its best. Especially with the way uh, Francis Ford Coppola used the audio because Gene Hackman is, so, is somebody that spies on people through audio recordings in the film and just the use of sound in that film is amazing yeah man yeah that's up there with um the, some of his best works such as godfather and apocalypse now okay i'm gonna that's, have that's to Cop- definitely check it out if it stands up with apocalypse now and godfather it's coppola at his at his best yeah, yeah. so i uh I stand by that. I also saw, uh, I think this will be my last one uh, here. Um, I saw Martha, Martha Marcy May Marlene, which was like an independent film, which was like Elizabeth Olsen's like breakout film. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty good. It's an independent movie. It has her, it has John Hawks in it. Um, Homegirl from American Horror Story. What's her name? Sarah something. Ah, I forgot her name. I can't remember it, it right now either. She's like the, she's like the main one in all of them, but you you, you know her if you saw her. Um, but she's in it. It's basically about this woman who escapes a cult and uh li- and and stays with her sister and brother in law for a time while she like remembers like the good and bad moments from the cult. It's a well done independent film. The guy who made it, it was his first movie. Uh, he he also went on to make Thoroughbreds, I think, which was another good movie. I, I saw Thoroughbred. That one was good. But wait, no, uh, no, my bad. Not the same director. Not the same oh, director. No, 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 no. I I fudged up on that one. Um, <laughs> I I think the director of Martha May was um. Hold up, let me hang on. I'm searching it right now. This one gonna of, get it. <laughs> this is one of the best things uh, to record while we're on a computer. We can actually search it up instead of going through our phone. Uh, it was directed by Sean Durkin, who had, um, my bad, Sean, if you ever find yourself listening to this, I didn't mean to disrespect you. Um, yeah, yeah, he made this movie and he also made, he had also made a show called, uh, Southcliff, which got a lot of good reviews, but, uh, yeah, this is a good movie, man. Good debut for Sean Durkin. I'll have to check that one out. Oh, the guy who, the guy who made Thoroughbreds made another movie. Uh, now I, f- I forgot his name, but he made a film, a Hugh Jackman film that premiered on HBO with Allison Janney called Bad Education. I actually saw the uh, preview for that one. That was a good movie. Yeah, I haven't watched a- it yet. I don't have HBO. I'm going to have to borrow somebody's account so I can check that one out. But I, I do remember seeing a uh, teaser or a trailer or something posted about that one. Because yeah, I remember I- seeing the new Hugh Jackman movie on HBO. It was a it was a great true crime comedy. Uh, it was, I think it I think that might be one of Hugh Jackson's 
Hugh Jackman's best performances. I know a lot of people quote Logan and Prisoners. Um, I think it's up there, man. Okay. Yeah, I got a. Once I get a hold of somebody's HBO account so I can watch that one, I'll definitely check that one out. Because it's one that I originally kind of had that intention to check out or maybe sign up for a trial to see. Kind of the same as how I'm waiting for uh, Umbrella Academy Season 2 to come back so I can sign up for another Netflix trial to check that one out. Sign up. You don't keep it? Um, I did have one for the longest time, but I kind of just let it lapse because there was not much coming out that I was interested in on Netflix only. Like, they Fair had enough. a lot of stuff coming that, you know, I wanted to kind of see, but none of it was, like, Netflix exclusive. It was, like, shows coming back, like Avatar The Last Airbender and stuff like that. That's like, well, I would have watched that, but I don't need a Netflix subscription to just rewatch some stuff. So I kind of let it lapse a little bit before COVID happened and with the intention of picking it back up later on. You know what, man? Um, as far as shows go, one show I got into and watched front to back, uh, excellent show, Mr. Robot, man. Oh, that show is so good. I have to, I finished season two. I had to start season three and then four. Uh, yes, you do. You do. You know, the one of the things I love about Mr. Robot, besides the fact that they're very accurate in, in um, their theory of hacking and how some hacking can be done with certain things. Oh, yeah. You know, Anon- Anonymous is like a producer on the show. Um, the directing, man. It, it feels like you're watching a film. It feels like you're watching uh, a tech thriller film, but made for TV. And it's just, it, the cinematography is amazing. The writing's good, too, obviously. Um yeah, Mr. Robot is just a phenomenal show. I wish I watched that when it was on, man. Some shows, you're glad you get to watch it from front to back when it's over, but you kind of wish you watched it when it was on. Um, yeah, on a week-to-week basis, it kind of has a little bit more impact when things happen with it. Uh, yeah. I can say from the technology perspective, that's what turned me into watching Mr. Robot, is people were like, this is like super accurate, because I come from IT, so right. when they were like using Raspberry Pis to you know be able to hack interfaces, and they were actually showing terminal windows with actual commands, and that's what got me to start watching it. And then I just got pulled into the world after that. So because I yeah. think the first episode I watched was the one where he infiltrates the building and then installs the Raspberry Pi in the electrical box that's in like the bathroom or in a room next to the bathroom. I think I, I think I know which episode you're talking about. It's in I the first season. Was it all one shot, or did it all look like it was one shot? No, that was in season two that it was the one shot episode. Oh, okay, all right, never mind. Uh, this was like season one. This was before season two was even like announced. Season one was still airing, and people were telling me, you know, you're in IT, you got to check out this show. And I was like, what's it about? And they were like, we don't know yet. <laughs> it's yeah, about uh, something, but we don't know. And that was the first episode I checked out. And another thing I love about the show is that Christian Slater, again, a good actor that I know is good, that I know can deliver, but hasn't always been the best movies. This this show, he's he's phenomenal in Mr. Robot. Oh, yeah. Rami Malek is phenomenal, too, He's the, but he's the main star. Of course he is. But Christian Slater is pretty great. Oh, yeah. Everybody that's in it is really good in it. Yeah, Christian yes, Slater is one of those weird actors that I forget he exists until I see he's in something. Kind of like Woody <laughs> Harrelson, 
where he's fantastic in everything, but I always forget that he's a person until all of a sudden he's on screen. And it's like, oh, crap. Like, I had the same thought when he appeared in, like, Archer, where uh, he just appears animated and everything like that. And I'm like, wait, I recognize that voice. And then they say his name, and it's like, oh, he's just going by his actual name in the show. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I, I, I like Rami, man. Sam Esmail, who created the show... um, I like him as I like him as a um, filmmaker as well. I still got to get into Homecoming because I heard that's dope. Yeah, well, one show that I uh, told you about that uh, close enough. Have you checked that one out yet? I will because my man JG Quintel made it right. Yeah, From regular show. Yeah, yeah I will he check it basically out. made the show that he wanted regular show to be uh, without all the goofy characters and everything like that. The characters are still right. goofy, but it's not like anthropomorphic anthropomorphic like gumball machines and stuff it's not a it's raccoon actual, and a, it's not a raccoon and a blue jay talking to each other right yeah it's, it's actual it's people. actually yeah, yeah. uh a married couple with one kid that live with a divorced couple wow yeah I'm, I'm gonna check it out man i i will check it out i know one thing i want to check out too one of the head writers from avatar the last airbender has a show called the dragon prince that people say is good that's on netflix Oh, I haven't heard of that one. And did you know Guillermo del Toro had a cartoon, bro? I didn't know Uh, he had a cartoon. Are you talking about Over the Garden Wall? No, 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 no. That's not del Toro's. That's somebody else's. But I heard that's a good show, too. Yeah. Um, No, 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 man. Uh, It's called Troll Hunters on on Netflix. And it's it's part of a trilogy. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. No. I like Guillermo del Toro. Well, I like him when he's... um, I, I like I like Del Toro, man. I, I like. Uh, did Del you Toro. see the movie Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark? Uh, not yet. Is it worth my time? I'm gonna say no. Like, I'm a huge Guillermo Del Toro fan. Like, I love Hellboy, Shape of Water. Uh, I'm trying to remember the other one that came out between those two, and it's completely escaping my mind. The one with the dude with the hand eyes. Uh oh, Pan's Labyrinth. That's a Pan's Labyrinth. Movie. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I I love all those movies that he's done, but yeah, the scary stories to tell in the dark. It's like he tried to make a kitty horror film, and it just as a kitty horror film, it works. I think he produced that movie. No, Uh, he directed. uh, I don't know about that one, sleaze. Hold on, let's go to Wikipedia. They're not always right about most things, but they're right about directors who direct things. Uh, Nope, he produced it. Did he? I thought he directed that one. Now, nah, Andre uh, Overdale directed it. Um, here's my thing about Del Toro, man. I oh, feel he like helped Shape- write it. That was what. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's produced by a screen story from him. My thing about Del Toro, um, a, a film like Pacific Rim or Shape of Water, that's accessible Del Toro. That's for somebody like my fiance who's not used to his films not used to something as dark as Pan's Labyrinth, I can show her those movies and be like, okay, this is what this guy's style is. Blade 2, I can show that to her. And then we slowly get into the Hellboys, we slowly get into the uh, the Pan's Labyrinth, the Devil's Backbones, Kronos, um, throw Crimson Tide in there, or is it Crimson Crimson Sun, or the one about the Haunted House with Jessica oh, Chastain. Um, I think Crimson that's tied. Something. No, Crimson Tide is Denzel and Gene Hackman. 
Is that's it? Why I che- yeah, that's why I checked myself because I was like, that's not freaking Crimson Peak. I think it's called. Yeah, you know. Okay. Then you, yeah. Then you then you get deep into his filmography with that stuff, because um, you know, there's there's a Hollywood commercial Del Toro, and then there's a independent, dark, beautiful Del Toro. Because you know, Pacific Rim, dude. When I was in the theater, I said, you know what? This looks like a a, a gorgeous action film. This looks like a gorgeous trans Transformers companion. But after that. After I left the theater, I didn't think too much of Pacific Rim afterwards. I felt, I felt like, yeah, that was, in retrospect, that movie was kind of stupid. But it looked oh, great. Oh, see, I love kaiju movies, so I absolutely loved Pacific Rim. Not so much What's the kaiju? sequel. Kaiju is just like the giant monsters kind of movie. Oh. Uh, like, Godzilla is a kaiju. Gotcha. So, I didn't like that movie. I, You know, I, I, I saw the new Godzilla, and I, you know, I kind of fell asleep. Maybe I didn't give it a fair shake. Um, yeah, I, I like the asleep. Godzilla parts of Godzilla. I don't like how they try and push in like this, you know, the human elements of it. I want to see the two monsters fight each other. Yeah, man. Me too, man. And I get it. You want to? I, I understand from a screenwriter's perspective wanting to add character death by all means, but show me some monsters in between. You know, don't tease me for so long. We gotta wait until the last thirty minutes to see Godzilla's face. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, and even with that, dude, I like the original God. I like the night. I like the two thousands Godzilla with Matthew Broderick more than I like the new one. Uh, you mean the nineteen ninety eight Godzilla? Nineteen ninety eight. Oh, that was the year. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> Godzilla two thousand is a completely different movie. <laughs> it is. It is. It is. Um, yeah, I'm talking about the one with Matthew Broderick and and, and John Renault. Yeah, in good, New York hey, City. It's a little silly, but I like it. You know, it has some great special effects. You had my man who made The Day After Tomorrow, Roland Emmerich. Yeah, that one, it it's not the best Godzilla movie by far, but it does have its moments of entertaining. I remember seeing that in theaters, dude, and I was so excited as a little kid. I know looking back on it today, it's a little it's a little cheesy, you know. I can honestly say I remember more about the Taco Bell commercials for that movie than I do of the actual movie. <laughs> I, I just remember this one point where Hank Azaria, who's known for uh, voicing, uh, well, he used to voice Apu on The Simpsons. Uh, he has a video camera like, yo, honey, I'm about, to, I'm about to record Godzilla. Godzilla steps on him. Godzilla raises his foot up and Hank Azaria is still alive, shaking like, oh, gosh, I'm still alive. I remember that being a funny moment you know, when I was mm-hmm. in the theater. Other than that, I don't remember too much about Godzilla. Well, I know Matthew Broderick was his nerdy Matthew Broderick self, but that's about it. I just remember they wanted to make a sequel, and uh, who was it? Toho, the people that own Godzilla, after they saw the movie, went, no, no, we're revoking your rights from making any Noah Godzilla movies ever it again. Made, it made money. It made money. Um... And you know, usually in Hollywood, money talks for 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 good or bad. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I can understand. I can understand. It's a little cheesy, but I it holds a place in my heart because it came out around the same time as Armageddon, which is another bad movie that I like. Yeah, there's a lot of bad movies that always you know hold a special place in your heart. Is oh that movie was horrible. I loved it so much. I'll never watch it again. Dude. I don't care what anyone says. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers the movie is the shit. 
Uh, wait, which one? Are you talking about like the 2016 one? No, 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 no. I didn't even watch that. No, man. I'm talking about the one from our childhood with Mr. Ooze. You know what I'm oh, talking about? Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm just making sure to see which one you're talking about because the new one I enjoyed, but it wasn't a Power Rangers movie, in my opinion. But yeah, you're talking about like the one from Sentai. Sentai? Yeah. 20th Century Fox. Uh, no, it's uh, the original studio was called Sentai Productions that made Power Rangers. Uh, the name of Power Rangers is actually like Sentai Warriors or something like that, or Super you know, Sentai. I- and then, I, I never, uh, yeah, I never paid attention to that kind of stuff, man. Uh, but um, back then, you know, all I knew is that um, you had everyone wanted to be my man with the slick back with the with the slick back hair, um, the golden Power Ranger. I think he was the black Power Ranger, not black in skin tone, but he mm-hmm. had the black suit. Uh, everybody wanted to be him. No one liked Baby Blue. Everybody thought Blue was kind of a wimp. Uh, all the women wanted to be pink, the pink ranger. Um, you know, uh, you had the two bullies that kept kept roasting, kept kind of making themselves look stupid the whole movie. And you had Mr. Ooze, man. Listen, you would think somebody on acid wrote this movie, but I love mm-hmm. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the movie, man. Yeah, it was definitely a childhood classic. I will 100% yeah. agree with that one. I mean, if it came out today with me at this age, I'd be like, uh, yeah, no thanks. But um, at my, you know, right. when I was little, I was like, you know, I like this. Yeah. Yeah, that one I was not, uh, if I were to go back and watch it today, I'd know that I'd probably give up like halfway through. But as a kid, oh. that movie was great. I even used to watch the TV show, man, the live action TV show like that. Really uh, which one? Because jam. there were like five different versions of the Power Rangers, even throughout the I, 90s. I know, even today, too. Uh, no, the original one, man, the original Power Rangers that came okay. with that that came with that movie. Oh, okay. That, that came out around the same time as the Ringmaster with Macaulay Culkin. When he went to the library and he turned into a cartoon, that was around the same oh, time. Oh, yes. I love yeah, that movie, um, too. What was that book called? Or what was the movie called that... Uh, the ringmaster. I just said it. Wait, no, okay. It, no. Was it the book the bookkeeper or something like that? Oh. I, I'm about to search for it, man. I took my I took I took us all the way back. Cause that that's another one like with uh I think I saw that one around the same time as I f- first saw the never ending story. The page master. That's it, yep. That's what it's called. Yeah, that Richie Rich. Oh man, Macaulay Calkin had hits, man. Oh he had yeah. Hits. I want. I wanted to be him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. He's... Come on, man. Yeah, he's known for, you know, two of the greatest uh, family comedies of all time, dude. Home Alone One and Home Alone Two. That's another guy who, uh, when he was put into a serious role at a young age, such as The Good Son, uh, where he played alongside a very young uh, um, Elijah Wood, he he knocked it out of part, man. It, his his performance was pretty great. I don't remember that movie, so oh, I don't know if I saw it. that one or not. Dude, that's one. Of, that's probably McCollum Conker's best performance, man. You gotta look that up because he he really does play a badass kid. 
Uh, and I mean bad as in like, you know, he's really a bad kid. Like he's, yeah. he's bad. Yeah. Oh, the one movie that I actually sat down and rewatched from long ago, uh, Princess Bride. I know, I know you're gonna take my head off. I, I know you're gonna take my head off, man. I, I vaguely remember when my dad bought that for me on VHS. I never watched it. Really? Like even I, like closer I, I, to today, you haven't seen it still. I know lines from it. I know the guy says to the guy like, "My name is such and such." You killed my father. Prepare, prepare to die. To die. <laughs> I, I I know that line because so many people quote it. Um, yeah, I never watched that movie, man. Oh, you I, need to watch that one. It's on the That's, list. Oh, that one it, shoot it up to the top of the list. That one is a cult classic that needs to be seen for sure. Oh, I don't know if it's cult, man. I think that actually was uh, considered a great movie. You know, oh like no, that. it's it's a great movie, but there's a cult following for it still today. Yeah, you and I, I, I I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll put it, I'll put it at the list here. You know, I, I got my sticky notes up. I can make a list now of everything you're telling me. Uh, so the Princess Bride. Been have yep. to re listen to this episode. Or some other stuff you recommended. Um, uh, Princess Bride, Spinal Tap, Dewey Cox, Lonely Island, Pop Star. Uh, what else did I recommend just in this episode? <laughs> Walk hard. Uh, long, I'm going to just put Lonely Island because that, that way I'll know what I'm watching. Um, yeah, man. I, I, trust me. I, I, I do plan to watch it. I, I know what it is. I know a lot of people got their careers from it. Carrie Ells, Man, Mandy Patakin. Uh, my, the, uh, who was a young boy in that movie? Uh, Fred. Fred somebody. Fred Savage. Um, I Yeah, I, I, I'm aware of it. Yeah. Have you watched the, what was it, the Hamilton play on Disney Plus yet? I will I will watch it. I know you and I have spoke on it. I, I will yeah. check it out. Man. Yeah, I can All say right. this is, it, that one was really well done. I was kind of surprised by it being like a stage play that was just recorded and everything like that. I was very surprised by that one. Not the contents, but the way it was actually made. Okay. Um, yeah, you told me that, man. I, I was I liked that soundtrack way before I way before that movie got released. Uh, I was planning to take my mom to go see it, but the tickets were too damn high. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I will watch it. I assume that when I watch it, I'll be singing along to some of those some moments. I'm gonna be that guy. See, I didn't know the soundtrack prior to watching it. I actually, last time I was in New York City, I was trying to see if I could find a way to get tickets, and all of them were like $200 plus, and it was like, no, I'll just go to the yeah. bar. <laughs> well, you could have did what everybody else did when it's time for a uh, recess, when everybody walks out, just sneak in. Yeah, and just watch the later half of it. <laughs> right. You know, people do that. You know people do that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I will get into it, man. I really want to see the Book of Mormon, though. Uh, see, that's because, one that I hope they do this same thing to. Yeah, we talked about that too. Yeah, I really would like to see that live action. Well, taped. Uh, no problem. I don't want to see Wicked. Uh, I know I hear it's a classic. Um, yeah, I'm not a musical guy, man. Um, the only one that I've ever seen was Avenue Q, and. I absolutely love that one, but that was like raunchy Sesame Street. Yeah, you told me about that. 
Uh, I want to. I, I feel like this is the good time to ask because we're this type of show. So, what do you think about AMC theaters, movie studios, what well, well, film studios and uh, movie theater chains kind of in a stagnant point, not knowing where where to go with this whole thing? That is COVID. Uh, Honestly, even if movie theaters start reopening up, it's going to be a while before I feel like it's, you know, worth the risk to go to the movie theater to see something. Because I yeah. have a good home theater setup that I can watch things on streaming and everything like that and get a good experience out of it without any of the risk. And of course, there's going to be some movies that would definitely get me into the theaters, but it'd be one of those like hesitant kind of things. Like I know that, uh, tenant, I definitely want to see that in a theater, like the Dolby cinema or IMAX Dude, experience. Me, me too. And you know, I'm a Chris Nolan guy, Yeah, but not now. I just, yeah, if it that, came up. Yeah. Even uh, last night in Soho, that was my most look forward to movie this year. I don't think that movie could even get me to go to the theater. I'd probably hope to God that some like uh, theater, like the main arts theater near us would pick that up and start doing showings of it after the fact. So I could actually get a theater experience with it. Let me tell you something, man. And I'm so serious. I I think I would probably try to change my mind at the time, but I I know I would stay home. If Quentin Tarantino came out with Kill Bill volume one and two, re-edited it into a single film and he says i'm showing it this week only at movie theaters i still wouldn't go out and i love those movies that's my yeah. favorite movie um yeah man it's just like if tenet came out tomorrow man i i will wait i will wait until uh maybe if it's still in theaters uh september when when not a lot of people are going to see it because it's just it's dangerous i haven't even been to my barber i've been picking out my fro I've been combing and brushing my fro. I'm going to go next month. I think I'll wait until August to see my barber, but I haven't even been back there yet. Yeah, I haven't really been anywhere yet. Uh, the only times I've really left the house is to pick up food from a place and take it home, and that's it. Yeah, I <laughs> uh, as well. Or to go quickly grocery shopping. I haven't even done, like, go in the store shopping, really. It's usually, like, curbside. Okay. Yeah, I um, curbside really is the way. Uh, I was gonna say, I miss I I really do miss the movies though. I miss, you know, you see the uh, little Skype background I have behind me. I really do miss sitting in the theater, man. Oh um, yeah, I, I'm right there now. with you. I completely miss it, um, especially the one thing that still kind of ticks me off a little bit is the fact that we were two days away from getting to see a quiet place two before that movie got delayed because we had the screening tickets for it and then they delayed the movie two days before the screening it was like god no you emailed that to me and said hey man here's some uh, quiet place two screening tickets i'm saying yes and then then you said yeah but i think they're going to delay them i'm like brad have ye no faith then all of a sudden uh these tickets have been delayed they sent that email Two minutes after you texted me that. Yeah, because they started like talking about how it might be uh, delayed due to just the COVID and everything because they were going to be delaying the movie itself. Right. No, yeah, I, I completely understand, man. Um, as far as uh, 
Yeah, dude. It's just that feeling when you're in a theater and the lights go off and you 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 get that disclaimer like, now turn off your cell phones. It's time to start the movie, and you know it starts, man. I miss that feeling. You can get that at home, and I know you got your little your your home theater theater at home, but it's just it's not the same. The home theater is nice, one hundred percent. I love it, but yeah, yeah, it is not the same. I it did not like. I've had this even before movie theaters closed down. I was still going to movie theaters. So it's not like this was a replacement for movie theaters by any means. Right. I hear you, man. I got this uh, new projector I just got. Um, well, I already had the projector, but I got the thing where I can like, it, it's like a big, big screen in your backyard where it's like the drive-in. Where like oh, you get your projector yeah. to, yeah, I got that. Uh, one of these days, me and my fiance are going to use it. We got to get a tent, though, so we don't get bit by mosquitoes. Uh, yeah, man, I'm excited to use that. Maybe we'll watch Hamilton on that or something. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, I have one of those giant fold-out uh, projector screen things. I can't remember what size it is, but I remember uh, getting it for free because when I bought a bunch of stuff for my projector, the company kind of went through my Amazon purchase history or something, or they got a notification from Amazon of, Hey, this person's buying stuff. And they were like, Hey, if we send this to you, will you review it? And I went, no. And then they sent me one. <laughs> you told and them I was, no. I told them no. And then they sent me one and they were like, Hey, so if you feel like reviewing it, go ahead and review this. And I just never replied to it after that. And they never responded again. So I was like, okay, so I have one of those, but I have no idea what to do with it. Okay. Because uh, it's for like re- outdoor use. You could rent it out. Some people are renting their projectors to people so they can watch um, stuff in their backyard. You could uh, you could make a side hustle out of it, man. Might be able to. I'll have to look into that and see if there's something I can do. Because I don't have a projector to go with it. Because the projector I have is the projector in my theater room. And I'm definitely not tearing that down to bring it outside and stuff. I got you. I got you. So it's basically well, useless in my hands. <laughs> I understand. Uh, well, that's it for me, man. That's about all I watched. Yeah. Um, I can't think of anything else that I have. Oh, one uh, anime show to add to your list. Um, not so much psychological thriller, but really fun one still. Angel Beats. I actually went yeah. back and I rewatched that one recently, and that one... It's up there. After you finish Monster, definitely check that one out. Okay, I will. No problem. Uh, yeah, we talked about that too when we met up. Angel Beats, I'll check it out. Yep. But yeah, I got nothing else. All right, y'all. Uh, thank you for joining us for this very special uh, post quarantine um, double feature episode. Uh, I'm uh, Anthony. I'm Brad. All right, y'all have a good one. We'll see you around the corner.